Hey folks, thanks for joining me for this episode of the Embellish Podcast, a podcast focused on product stories, product storytellers, interesting brand ambassadors, and any other tangent that I happen to come up with. Whether you're a bourbon fan, a geek, a casual observer, or someone just floating through this channel, you're sure to waste a few minutes listening to what I have to say, and I hope you find it interesting. If you got here by chance, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. I can be found at on any podcasting platform that exists, and if you can't find me there, um, please send me an email at embellishpod at gmail.com. I'll try to get that taken care of. Uh, I am live streaming for the first time uh, in a couple of weeks at the 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time on YouTube um, that I tra- traditionally try to do. And you can find any link that I have on Instagram at embellishpod or Twitter with the same handle. I also have TikTok. Um, don't know what that platform's for. Still trying to sort that one out. Um, I have a few, I have a website, it is www.embellishpod.com. It's also a place to pick up any links, episode details, one-off tasting notes, uh, whatever whatever you have. Today is February the 9th of 2022, and we are talking about celebrity whiskeys. But before we get started, we'll talk about what's happened in the last week. Um, <clears throat> if you t- tuned into anything on the YouTube side of things, you'll have a, been able to experience I had an opportunity to talk to Chris Blattner last week from the Urban Bourbonist, uh, also Bourbon Charity, and Alan Bishop from the Spirits of French Lick. Uh, Monday night, we had a great chat. Uh, Chris and I did around what Bourbon Charity is doing. If you haven't seen that video, please go back and watch it. Super good time. Um, what they've got going on over there. A lot of interesting things. A lot of interesting things are happening. It's a, a great charity. It's a great place to send your money to. And if you get an opportunity to go do that. Also, another, and both of these, you know, I started off the year as like, you know, I'm, I'm going to reach out to some people, try to have some conversations um, as close to in real life as I can. Send out some messages to folks expecting um, that some people would say no. And what I found is what usually happens to be the case in the whiskey industry is that more people said no or said yes than said no. And so I was faced with trying to throw these in there. And so, you know, I'm like, hey, maybe I'll get a half an hour of everybody's time. Try to preface it with, we'll talk for, you know, 30 minutes is what I'm shooting for. But if you have more time than that, I'll stay as long as you want to. And both of those guys ended up streaming for around two hours. Um, Had a super great time. Had a lot of really interesting conversations. And I hope there's more of those to come. I've got a few that I'm trying to plan. Last week, uh, another thing that happened, if you were paying attention on Instagram, or uh, Twitter, or anywhere. Uproxx put out an article on the top 18 podcasts to look into, and it was, um, you know, I'm up and down on Uproxx. Sometimes the articles are great, sometimes their rankings aren't exactly what I would call the best. But, you know, it's one man's opinion, and that is perfectly fine. That's what it's all about. What I will challenge is that list of 18 was pretty solid, and I would agree with most of them. Some probably should have been higher than they were, some should have been lower but uh, on number 13, they, they put me and sort of felt out of place. There's a host of um, podcasts that exist out there that are far better than what I'm doing. Super appreciate the attention. So the, the author over there did a good job. It was a good article. I appreciate the attention, like I said, but that would be maybe the biggest challenge that I have for it is um, I probably don't belong on that list. But if, if you agree with him, I appreciate you for, for being here. Um, Thank you for writing the article. Next week, uh, heading to Louisville. So I won't be live streaming on Wednesday. I'll try to pre-record something and have it post up. Um, may post it earlier in the day since I won't be live streaming. Uh, I think I know what I'm going to record. 
may try to do an episode of the buzzed feed this weekend as well. Just some whiskey news, things that I want to cover. Um, it's already been an eventful night, but you know, we're going to go to Louisville. I've got some, some work things to do there. May visit some whiskey folks while I'm there as well. Uh, just came from a tasting with the folks over at the bourbon lens. Uh, you don't Patreon them. You absolutely should. They have a tier that'll put you in a situation where you might be able to enjoy a tasting with a distiller. A couple of weeks ago, we were able to to do a tasting with Few Spirits. This week, we were able to do one with Lisa Wicker from Widow Jane. Um, both of those were fantastic, and both of those uh, distilleries are doing big things. If you've been paying attention to the news at all, they were acquired by Heaven Hill. They they've got some uh, very serious uh, aspirations for growth and what they're trying to do. So what I'm going to end up drinking tonight, I drank through, you know, maybe half of the samples that I had from Widow Jane. I'm keeping back a couple so I can retaste them again tomorrow. Maybe we'll finish out some of the halves of the few whiskey that I had uh, from last week. I saved one of them, which was uh, the few American whiskey, which when I tasted it uh, during the live tasting, it came across like a, like a smoky Kansas City barbecue sauce, rib, something, another. So you get a chance to pick that up, you should absolutely do so. It's a unique, unique brand and flavor. I see uh, Bourbon Lens has joined me. Don't know if it's uh, Jake or Scott, but I appreciate you for being here. Um, just talking about how more people need to Patreon to you to get it, access to some of these tastings with brands and distillers because they're super fun. They get a drink of water. I've been talking for a while now. Celebrity Whiskey is the topic for tonight. And celebrity-backed brands are not a new concept for anything. They've been around for a while, and it was just a matter of time before more and more celebrities decided to try to get into the realm of whiskey. Um, there's a lot of whiskey brands out there that are dealing with celebrities, but I'm going to talk about a few tonight and what I consider to be uh, maybe three different approaches. But before we get into it, We'll talk about one that I, you know, I guess I'm going to talk about four, but the, the central focus of this is going to be on the other three. So the first one, Sweeten's Cove. Sweeten's Cove is using what I would consider to be um, B-list celebrities in the sports world. And that may sound sort of snarky. Um, I wouldn't consider in a world where you have the idolism of uh, the Id idolization of people like LeBron James or someone like that. Peyton Manning is an icon, but um, Peyton Manning and Andy Roddick are both titans in their own individual sports, but they're not what I would consider to be, um, at this point, A-list celebrities. So Sweetens Cove is a whiskey that um, a group of friends, I think it's six or seven guys, got together and decided they wanted to put together a whiskey to pay homage to a particular golf course that's somewhere near Chattanooga. Um, and it's um, very a very homey uh, golf course. I think I read something where it's like a, a, a field of dreams type concept for golf. If you were to, to add a little bit more grit to it, it doesn't have a bathroom. Whiskey played a big role in it. They wanted to sort of pay homage to that. And so they got together and they decided, hey, we're going to start this this brand and we're going to um, sell whiskey underneath the brand of Sweet and Cove. And if you followed anything about whiskey, it's been panned pretty heavily by whiskey fans, people who are truly, truly into whiskey. They have a lot of things to say about this. Um, 
and you know your immediate reaction, you know, this is a thirteen-ish year old bourbon um, that is put out, and it is put out at a two hundred dollar price point, uh, and it has Tennessee whiskey in it. And so, for those of you that are uninitiated, that's going to refer generally to Dickel whiskey. And there are people that either love or hate Dickel whiskey, and there's not a lot of in between. Uh, minerality being a problem, or Flintstoney vitamin taste, or whatever. Um, and Dickel already sells twelve or thirteen or fifteen year old whiskey at a significantly lower lower price than that, and even single barrels. But people will look at it and say, you know, this was an opportunity or a chance for these particular celebrities to try to throw their name on something and make some money. And I did some, you know, sort of math on it, and was like, you know, if I think the first release was fourteen thousand bottles, and if you sell them for two two hundred dollars each, uh, you're looking at it almost three million dollars of revenue. But if you've got a fifty percent margin, let's just say you actually have fifty percent of your of of that three million dollars is profit, looking at one and a half million dollars split seven ways, you're only looking at a couple hundred thousand dollars each. Is a couple hundred thousand dollars really a cash grab for a person like Andy Roddick? Uh, who made, I don't know, lifetime earnings of 20 plus million dollars, and Peyton Manning, who lifetime earnings of plus 400 million dollars. $200,000 doesn't mean a ton there. And so it becomes a question of is there a deeper passion or a liking to it? And the attachment of, of a particular musician that I happen to follow, my family happens to follow, his name is Drew Holcomb. He's one of the other names on the brand. And he is what I would consider a whiskey fan. Um, at least from from what I've seen, uh, as far as his collection interviews, things that he's he's actually said, this felt more like a a passion project than a money grab. And regardless of whether it's good or bad, if it's something that they enjoyed and that's what they wanted to put out, then you know, hey, I'm I'm willing to cut it a lot of slack. I personally haven't tried it. Know some people who have gone either way, but. It's something that sports fans are absolutely going to. <laughs> Thank you, Zachary Jones. I do look like I, well, I don't know. Dan's a little bit more dapper than me, and he doesn't quite have the beard. So um, Zachary Jones just joined us in in the live stream chat. He's referring to the the Bourbon Junkies uh, live stream last night, where they raised a significant quantity of funds for a charitable cause. Um, somewhere twelve or thirteen thousand dollars were raised in just three hours, uh, going towards a, a kid who had found the a kid whose family had had to take him to the hospital. They found cancer in him, but Dan made an agreement early on in the night that he would shave his head if we raised I don't know twelve thousand dollars, and it got there real quick, like real quick. Um, it wasn't because of the agreeing to shave his head; it was going to get there anyways. I think we all knew that. Um, but that's that's what Zachary Jones is referring to. So if you happen to rewatch this and you come across the chat, that's what he's talking about. So getting into the meat of it, the the next brand. And so I'm I'm you know I'm staying away from some of the maybe the more well known or maybe this is well known. I don't know. Um, Heaven's Door. Heaven's Door is a whiskey that is affiliated with Bob Dylan, and I picked this one specifically because. The first song I ever, my, my, my dad was a huge music buff, and so Bob Dylan was always a thing, but the first song I ever remember personally like gaining some degree of sentiment for is um, a song by Bob Dylan's You Belong to Me from the Natural Born Sillers 
Natural Born Killer soundtrack. And so that's talking in the early 90s. Um, got the album before I turned 18. Uh, upperclassman that I was on a school trip with made the purchase for me. And so it was, you know, sort of a thing because Natural Born Killers had a lot of different things on that particular soundtrack, uh, including some, some West Coast rap. It's got Bob Dylan. It's got some... Um, other stuff, but I remember being perplexed by the sound of music that Bob Dylan himself made. And then, you know, this was during the time when grunge was pretty big, and so trying to understand Bob Dylan's tone was was a little different. Um, some years later, I got an opportunity to see Bob Dylan live here in town. Uh, he had a you know a show that was opened by the Wild Feathers, but Bob has lended his self, his his name, his image, his likeness, something to the Heaven's Door brand. Heaven's Door is a new-to-the-scene concept, and it's um, embracing aged whiskeys through its special releases. So the, 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 the thing they're looking at is that each bottling is a limited edition of bottles uh, for, say, the, the bootleg series, which are bottles that are aged 13, 15, or even 26 years. Um, and even, so this is a line from, from their website. It says, even at the brand's tender age of four, it's safe to say that the years of distilling and crafting each of its whiskeys has been well spent. There's my alarm bell right off the bat. For, for us, this is part of the, the problem that comes in with some of these celebrity brands, or just brands in general, is that they're distinctly saying that they have a brand that is four years old, but they're selling 13, 15, and 26 years, and trying to say that their years of distilling and crafting the whiskeys has been well spent. Someone else did most of the work. If you've only been around for four years and you're selling a 26-year-old whiskey, that means for 22 years, someone else did significant amount of work. Now, you're doing some blending. That 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 is nothing to throw any shade at, because blending is an art in and of itself. But Heaven's Door is the end result of two well-known folks within the whiskey industry. Um, a former co-founder, founder of Angel's Envy, and a, another founder of Spirits Investment Partners, somebody who had helped develop whiskeys for Diego. Their idea, they they came across this this situation where Bob Dylan had trademarked the term bootleg whiskey. They, I, however you find out these things, and I, I won't say anything because uh, tonight I found out how distillers make, how distillers use diatomaceous earth, which is something that anybody who has chickens also uses. So you, you find weird things, but I came across this, this concept that Bob Dylan had trademarked this term bootleg whiskey. They went out in search of Bob Dylan to try to get him to become a co-creator in the brand. And so where the, you know, Sweeten's Cove started with, you know, a a group of friends wanting to start a whiskey brand. Um, This one started with a whiskey brand seeking out a, you know, pseudo spokesman. It wasn't something that he was after. And, you know, they didn't end up naming the... uh, the whiskey after the bootleg whiskey thing, they just kept the heaven's door, which, you know, goes back to one of his, um, other, other songs. Was it knocking on heaven's door? Hey, Tim Evans. Thanks for showing up tonight. Um, they created everything with Bob Dylan. So creative people are creative people. And that's 
I think a place where musicians specifically sort of fit into this mold of whiskey creation is that they are a creative individual and they have a connection with art, music, food, drink, whatever, in a different way. They have a a craft about them. And so the participation that Bob Dylan has in this particular brand is he is not making decisions on blending. He's not trying to pretend to be a master blender. He's not trying to pretend to be a master distiller. He's basically just a person that when they create a blend, he sent, they send it over and his creative input is taken into place or into, into consideration. Um, one of the, one of the things that they noted is that they were working, trying to work on a double barreled release, uh, of some type. And Bob Dylan gave him the feedback of, I want it to taste more like a wooden structure. That's not a phrase that a normal human being is going to use, but it's feedback that they're taking. So this is their approach is they brought in Bob Dylan to be a creative consultant for them as they craft the whiskey itself, as they um, come up with blends, ideas, whatever else, and lend some degree of name. But you also don't see, you know, like if you're trying to market whiskey to a new segment, Bob Dylan's not the right person for that. If you're trying to get to a young group of folks, because most likely the people that are going to be Bob Dylan fans are already into some type of whiskey, whether it be scotch or bourbon or whatever, because they're going to be old. Uh, Just the reality of it is most of his fans are going to be old. So that's one, that's one of those brands that I have, you know, sort of less qualms with them claiming to be a celebrity bourbon. Something that is more recent, significantly more recent, is Noble Noble Whiskey. So, if you haven't seen this one yet, this just hit the market a couple months ago, and I picked up a bottle without knowing anything about it. Um, But there aren't many... I'm obsessed with stories here. In this particular podcast, I'm obsessed with stories. Um, I like people that can tell stories well. I like how they connect their stories to their products. Um, sometimes it feels somewhat deceiving, deceiving, but there aren't many better storytellers in modern American pop, pop culture than Mike Rowe. And if you don't know who Mike Rowe is, you're either a hermit or you are likely too young to be drinking whiskey uh, because he's had an incredible impact on a certain set of generations for a while. Um, He created interest in our entire nation in jobs that literally no one wanted to do. And he took a lot of that inspiration from growing up in a working-class family. He also became a spokesperson for the blue-collar jobs in a sort of Hemingway-esque fashion that leads to these series of of what I would call, call short stories or visual format of telling stories about common day work. Um, One of the first podcasts I started listening to was a podcast called the meat eater podcast. Um, It's uh, it's a hunting podcast and I'm not a huge hunter at this point in my life, but the, the um, host of the podcast is also a well acclaimed author and he speaks in a way that is more storytelling and less about, you know, it's about telling you the entire story, not about the specific event. And that's what Mike Rowe did with with these things. So a good portion of his, of, of his inspiration for this entire concept comes from his 
his family. His grandfather was an electrician by trade, a handyman, um, created fabricated solutions, did all kinds of different stuff. And Mike will use the term, he was a magician. He woke up clean, came home dirty, and that's how Dirty Jobs was born. So what is... What does any of that have to do with what I'm talking about? We'll get there eventually. I promise. Some of the context around the story he gives in the product website, right? This noble whiskey um, leads to this working man's philosopher that drives a good portion of his persona in pop culture. God gave me a toolbox, Mike. So we're talking about his grandfather. God gave me a toolbox, Mike. He gave you one too, but he didn't give us the same one. Have a look inside your own toolbox. And that's the type of wisdom that is imparted by senior generations to inspire younger generations to search for more. So when Mike was given the opportunity to create a whiskey, that's exactly what he did. So Mike Rowe has put out a whiskey called Noble Whiskey. It's obviously sourced. He's not distilling anything or doing anything along that lines, but it is an homage to his grandfather who was the um, inspiration for the entire Dirty Job series. And if you aren't watching those, you absolutely should at least watch a few. It's it's, it's Tennessee whiskey. And, you know that we're talking about Lincoln County process. We can make our assumptions that we're absolutely talking about Dickel whiskey here. Um, what is interesting about this particular one? You know, he he launched this with the concept thinking that. No one was going to buy it, and it immediately sold out. And so they ran into, you know, the, these right off the bat, they ran into logistical problems of trying to even get this in the hands of consumers for people to be able to have. Um, as a part of his apology for the delays, he actually put, and it was on my desk somewhere, I don't know where. Um, he put in, oh, here it is. I'm going to knock over everything that I had from the Bourbon Lens guys tasting. But he sends out this little postcard, this little... A small postcard with a note and a, and a signature on it. And he signs every bottle. He signs every piece of uh, paper that he can for everybody, everyone that bought one, just sort of as, as an apology. But the hook, the hook for me on this particular celebrity bourbon is Noble Spirits will be contributing the net proceeds of all the sales to this to the MicroWorks Foundation. <clears throat> so you better understand what that means. This is going to a good cause. It's a whiskey that may or may not be great. Uh, and I had a good conversation with one of my uh, social media friends about, you know, we were kind of going back and forth on Instagram about you know, what we might hate about whiskey brands that are using celebrities. And, and I'll lean on, if you're using a celebrity to try to sell bottles for a good cause, I'll probably buy it even if it's not great whiskey because at the end of the day, it's benefiting something good. What is MicroWorks? MicroWorks Foundation is is a, an initiative to aim to redefine stereo, stereotypes around blue-collar work. Um, there's a stigma for certain types of jobs, and there was whenever I was a kid, obviously. you know, every, We were all told you need to get a college education for you to be able to make a living. So there was no... There was no interest in skilled labor. There was no. In, there was less interest in becoming a, a plumber, electrician, a construction worker, which all of those can be fantastic careers for any human being, and it may be your passion and the thing that you want to do. But schools for a very long time focused on you have to have a four year degree or two year degree. You have to go to college. These the only way you're going to be successful is to do that. And they never told us that if you were going to be a plumber and electrician, you wouldn't be successful. But if all you're ever told is 
the only way to be successful is to get a college degree. If you do those things, they feel like they're sort of shortcomings. So he's created this nonprofit organization with the interest to try to drive children to understand that there's nothing wrong with those lines of work and that the the idea that the only way to be successful is to to follow this cookie cutter plan that was kind of shoved on uh, my generation and subsequent generations uh, of, of folks one of the one of the the first steps you take is anytime you come across a charity you say okay well how good is this charity because um you know if i give them $100 is only $1 going to go to charity and 99 is going to go to overhead um for micro works the charity navigator so charity navigator is a website uh, or a group of people that will evaluate how good of a steward a particular organization is with the money that you donate um what's going to pro you know what's going to the actual programming what's going to the administration of it um and they they give microworks the foundation a 98.85 out of 100 they they find that 81% of its expenses go to programming 14% of its expenses go to administrative and 4.3% to fundraising. So 81% goes back to the thing that it's intending to do. And so rolling all that back, you know, Micro is absolutely using his family name. Now he didn't put his name on it, but he put his face on it. He put his image and his, his particular brand on it um, to try to sell it. But it's not in the interest of lining his own pocket. It's not in the interest of growing a company to be profitable year on year. It's really about a nonprofit organization trying to raise funds. And I don't know, you know kind of like watching what happened last night on the, the Bourbon Junkies uh, live stream. There was a significant amount of funds that were raised for a good cause. And that's one thing that I think whiskey fans can get behind and so whether you're a fan of Mike Rowe or you're a fan of whiskey this is a great little, great little piece of, of Americana to put on your shelf and it may be great or it may not be um, I don't know I'll eventually taste it and you'll find out but right now I haven't had it and the last one I want to talk about is Long Branch um if you've been around whiskey for a while, you know exactly what Long Branch is. If you haven't been around, well, you might get to learn something here. Matthew McConaughey and Wild Turkey announced the introduction of Long Branch, which was a collaboration once McConaughey became the creative director. Uh, became a, I don't want to say the, a creative director for Wild Turkey. The interest was for him to come in and effectively be a storyteller from what I can tell. And you'll get a whole lot of, of storytelling about how they're trying to tie in McConaughey's Kentucky and Texas roots and the Russell's Kentucky and Texas roots and how they sort of mesh together and they're trying to use mesquite. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting storytelling that goes on in that, but I didn't ever really connect with that specifically. What, what I connect with on this particular brand, this particular piece of interest, is Wild Turkey has sort of, the brand of Wild Turkey has lore behind it. And the lore behind it is that it was found because the, um, a, the, the master distiller at the time would go and pull 
samples out of barrels to take with him, I believe, when they would go wild turkey hunting. And, uh, you know, nobody knows if the entirety of this story is completely true or not. Um, but he would take it with his hunting parties. And after a series of times, every t- after a series of events of doing this, um, his the, his friends would be like, hey, do you have that wild turkey bourbon? Do you have that wild turkey bourbon? And so they, they create and craft and, and identify with this story of word of mouth. They are very much a word of mouth brand. They're not spending a ton of money, um, at least not from what I've seen. They've not spent a ton of money historically on brand marketing. You know, you, you always knew Maker's Mark existed. You always knew Jim Bean existed. Wild Turkey just sort of sat on the shelf and people bought it because it was a good quality whiskey, but they weren't spending a lot of money on brand recognition. And when you finally make that decision, it's like now we want to create an intentional story behind it if you have this like slow meandering genesis story i think that partnering a creative director to help define a new product like this using someone like matthew mcconaughey is probably the only right way to go about it he has a very meandering storytelling ability now if you watch any of his roles He's absolutely not the high energy throw a bunch of information at you at one time. And he's got a very impactful storytelling methodology. And so he comes out with some really creative marketing material, some videos. You can go watch them on Wild Turkey's website. They're, they're great. They're, they're great pieces of information. But he's the kind of person that even at, at the level that he performs at, he connects with people. There's, uh, I listened to another podcast called uh, My and Bialik's Breakdown. And there's a, there's a, it's has a whole lot of topics, but there's always celebrities on there. It talks about mental health, pop culture, any kind of other thing. There's an episode with McConaughey on there, and he's talking about his book Green Lights. Um, and if you listen to that episode and you watch some of the storytelling that he does for Long Branch, you see that that's just who he is. He's not really putting on any airs. And I think the Long Branch version of wild turkey whiskey doesn't wander too far from the traditional version to be considered a you know a really really far offshoot if you're gonna name a celebrity endorsement or uh, some sort of a creative director for a brand like wild turkey absolutely mcconaughey's the right choice and so you know they they're not trying to claim him as a taster blender distiller he, he doesn't have a history with it he just Hey, we want a creative director. We want somebody to come in and help us tell some interesting stories about what we're doing here. Um, but like I said, there is some story that's being told. You know, the, the Texas and Kentucky connection. You can throw all that away for for all I care. Um, the the rest of it, where he's telling the story of Wild Turkey in a McConaughey type way, is great. And so those are the three slash four celebrity whiskey bourbon things that that I wanted to talk about. You know, there's other stuff out there, you know, I think Drake has his. Some of the things that are other that like catch me off guard, like there's Metallica has blackened. I've talked about them before, but not for the Metallica angle, just for the um the sonic enhancement portion of it. Um Slipknot does a whiskey with Cedar Ridge and Guar does a whiskey with Catoctin Creek, and I think like there's a story in that. There, there's a story in how Guar ends up with that, and I think that 
the the folks over at Catoctin Creek have told that before, but and that's just a super interesting thing because I feel like how does that connection happen? Like, how do you end up with Guar? Because I've never listened to them, but I know exactly who they are. Um, but those are people that you can readily identify. They probably have a passion, and a taste, an interest in whiskey. Um, they've they've probably consumed a good quantity of it over the course of their careers. They have a connection with it, but they're not doing anything overtly negative. I think, and that's the, those are the ones that I'm going to kind of lean towards. You know, I don't think that. McConaughey went too far abroad on what he was doing with um, Long Branch. The Mike Rose Noble Whiskey, he's not pretending to be anything other than a fundraising arm. And um, Heaven's Door, he's a creative influence. You know, that, that, that's the way that you integrate a celebrity-type person into what you're doing. So... That's that's the end of what I've got for tonight. We're going to have another episode next week. Like I said, it'll be pre-recorded because I will be out of town. I'll be in Louisville, uh, hopefully uh, drinking some good whiskey, having uh, some interesting times. But uh, thanks for joining me tonight, today, or whenever you happen to catch this. I hope you found this episode entertaining. And if you did, please leave me a review on whatever platform you have to be consuming this on. And leave a comment, if possible, here on YouTube. Hit me up on social media at Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, wherever at Embellish Pod, Embellish Pod, and give me a follow so you can keep up with what's going on here. I can be found at www.embellishpod.com with all of my links, accounts, contact details, and so forth. I'll be back again next week with another new offering for you. And until then, cheers and thanks for hanging out.